0: In an area of space known as the Courtyard, the Federation ship moves across the stars patrolling the borders between three civilizations. Its mission, maintain peace, and to remain ever watchful in endless vigilance. So, how's she doing,
1: Doc? She should make a full recovery in time. She
0: hasn't spoken at all?
1: Oh, yes. The nurse just gave her a shot to help her rest. She's quite the stubborn patient. Really? She was more concerned about her crew. And? She already knew about the two that were dead when we arrived at the crash site. I could tell that she was shocked to learn that her captain had died as well.
0: It wasn't your fault, Doctor. You did everything you could.
1: Did I? What more could you have done? If only I had the right equipment. And what equipment would that have been, Doctor? Well, a full surgical suite for one.
0: And how would that have made a difference?
1: I would have had the proper equipment.
0: And what equipment did you require that you didn't have aboard the vigilance?
1: Well, I could have used... I would have been able to...
0: Would have been able to do what, Doctor? I've read your report. You were quite clear as to the severe damage the Cation captain suffered due to the crash. In your own words, Doctor, you wrote... At the time of arrival to vigilance, patient already suffered 60% blood loss. Displayed extensive burn damage to over 80% of his derma and suffered severe trauma to his internal organs. Due to his advanced age and natural weakened heart, this caused the patient to go into cardiac arrest. All attempts to revive patient failed. Official cause of death was cardiac arrest due to injuries related to crash. So doctor, are you disagreeing with your own report? There are just some patients that are beyond saving no matter the skill level or available equipment. You can't beat yourself up every time you lose someone.
1: Thank you. Anytime, doc. Easier said than done.
0: Enter.
2: Hey, Mitch. Good morning, Nikolai. Good morning. Ah, good morning, Ambassador. Mitch, I didn't realize I was interrupting something. You're not. I invited the Ambassador to join us for breakfast.
3: And please, call me Katara.
2: All right, Katara. And please, call me Nikolai. Surprised to see you eating the near-perfect representations of bacon and eggs from our replicators.
3: Well, since Mitch introduced me to some of your Earth food, I find that I am growing quite fond of it.
2: Well, they are nothing compared to what Mitch's mom made us when we were kids. Yeah, she did make the best breakfast, didn't she?
4: Commodore Williamson to
3: Ambassador Tipperal. Good morning, Commodore.
4: Ambassador, I hope I'm not interrupting, but could you please come to my office as soon as you are able?
3: I am just having breakfast with Commander Quinn and Commander Reznov. Is everything all right, Commodore?
4: I'll explain when you get here. Uh, Please ask the commander to come as well. Williamson out.
2: That did not sound good. No, it didn't. Shall we, Mitch? Sorry, Nikolai. Oh, don't worry about me. I'll just finish up eating. Then I'm going to head over to get some engineering supplies. Engineering supplies. Yeah, right.
4: Enter. Good morning, Ambassador. Commander.
3: Good morning, Commodore. And good morning to you, Advocate Dujuk.
0: Good morning, Ambassador. Commander.
4: Good morning. Sorry to have interrupted your breakfast, but something has happened.
3: Please, don't be sorry.
0: Sometime last evening, Ambassador Ovak entered Stovokor.
3: I am sorry to hear that, Advocate.
0: Is there anything we can do? Thank you both, and no, Commander. I have already performed our Klingon death ritual, warning of a warrior's arrival to Stovokor. All that remains is for the body to be removed.
4: I have already made the arrangements.
0: Do you know what he died of, Advocate? It appears he died due to complications regarding his condition.
3: What will the Klingon High Council do regarding the ambassador's replacement?
0: The council will accept names of potential candidates that are forwarded, and then will vote on his successor. If I may inquire, who forwards the names of potential candidates? The names are submitted by anyone who has a vetted interest in the ambassadorial position at this station.
3: Will you be submitting your name to the High Council?
0: Why would you suggest this? I am not of the warrior class.
3: I don't wish to anger you, Advocate, but it has been quite obvious that you have been doing the work of the Ambassador, and not Ovak. Moreover, you have done so without seeking praise. In my view, that is the sign of someone who truly cares what happens on this station. Uh,
4: Before you argue, I have to agree with the ambassador. I believe that you would be best suited for the position because you've been doing it since your arrival. As to not being of the warrior class, don't you hold the rank of colonel in the Klingon military? Commodore, that rank is little more than formality. Something
0: required for me to perform my duties. It affords me very little in the way of actual sway. No, the High Council would
4: never agree to it. And yet, and I mean no disrespect, the High Council, the Federation's allies, saw fit to send a Klingon too deep in the bottle to fulfill his duties. Does the High Council see no merit in this position?
0: No offense taken. The truth of your words is not lost on me. I am well aware of your point, even if you drown it in human metaphor. I believe that Chancellor Martok was hoping the General would have regained his glory after his appointment. Sadly, that did not happen. Very well. I must leave now to contact the High Council to inform them of the General's death. And perhaps to submit my name for consideration.
4: Thank you, Ambassador. For? For being forward enough to state the obvious.
3: You're welcome, Commodore. Now, if you will excuse me, I have a report to write.
4: I'll walk you out. Commodore? Ambassador? Commander? Commander? Williamson to lieutenant Davis
5: Davis here
4: get me a secure channel to Admiral
2: Hebert
6: I sir
5: excuse
2: me ambassador lieutenant commander Reznov is here to see you as requested
3: please show him in
2: as you were mr. Happy. You called for me?
3: Yes. Have a seat, Nikolai. Care for something to drink?
2: What do you have that isn't hall?
3: I think I have. Just the thing.
2: fall. Nice. You're not joining me?
3: I have never liked the taste, but please help yourself.
2: Nothing beats the real thing, you know. So tell me, Katara, why have you asked me here, and what exactly does it have to do with Mitch?
3: You are very perceptive. It does have to do with Mitch.
2: Okay, so shoot.
3: I recently learned from Commodore Williamson that the individual from Starfleet Command who ordered the Citadel to be officially listed as missing in action was Mitch's father, Vice Admiral Randolph Quinn.
2: True. And?
3: During a conversation with Mitch, it seemed that he didn't want to talk about his father, or his sister for that matter, and quickly changed the subject. Would you be willing to enlighten me as to the reason?
2: Why? Excuse me? Pretty simple. Why do you want to know?
3: I do not wish to say something out of turn again that might offend him.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And that's the only reason?
3: What do you mean, Nikolai?
2: Come on, Katara. It's obvious to me how Mitch feels about you. This isn't one of his usual weekend trysts, I think that's pretty clear. But I'll be honest, I've never seen him this way before. But I've always had his back, and I'll never let anyone hurt him.
3: I fear that I may be developing similar feelings towards Mitch, and that is why I have asked you here.
2: You fear? Fear's a pretty strong word. Can I Explain.
3: I was chosen by the Senate as ambassador to Kear Station, which may as well be years away from Romulus, but I believe that was the intent. I also believe my less-than-traditional way of thinking, my age, and my inability to stay silent has caused much disquiet among those on the Senate, including my father. I am one of three leaders here, responsible to help establish peace between those who may not truly desire this peace. And on top of that, I may be developing feelings for the human captain of the Federation ship assigned to this very station. Tell me, Nikolai, are you starting to understand my fear now?
2: That's... wow...
3: I also fear for Mitch. I can't imagine that it would be any easier for him considering his position as a Starfleet officer whose father is a vice-admiral. So as you can see, I could use your help. Will you help me?
2: I can try, but there may be some things I just can't tell you. Understood. Okay. Where would you like to start?
3: I have read your Starfleet records regarding the USS Donovan the ship his sister was on that went missing. Is she the reason why Mitch became a Starfleet officer?
2: Damn, you don't waste time. All right. in short, it's the entire reason why we both entered Starfleet Academy in the first place. Mitch's older sister Amanda went missing aboard the USS Donovan when we were... sixteen years old.
3: In this area of space called the Courtyard? Yes. I could tell that Mitch was trying very hard to hide how much it bothered him, to have to end the search for the Citadel. Obviously, it had a lot to do with the Donovan.
2: Yes, but that's not all. Mitch was under the impression that there were people who knew more about the Donovan than they were saying. When that order came down about the Citadel, it made Mitch suspect the same thing was happening all over again.
3: And was his father one of those people?
2: Obviously, that is not for me to say. Mitch decided that the only way to get the answers he wanted was to become someone who could demand Those answers. That was why Mitch and I entered Starfleet Academy. Please understand, Katara. I pretty much grew up in the Quinn home from an early age. I was treated like family. Amanda was like a sister. Their parents always made me feel like I was one of their own kids. There is nothing I won't do to help the Quins, or to protect them.
3: You are an intriguing individual. I believe that under that gruff and carefree exterior hides a very thoughtful... Unshakable and caring person.
2: (laughs) I've been called worse.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Nikolai. I appreciate your help.
2: Just don't make me regret it.
0: And I have performed the death ritual for Ovak. His soul shall have a warrior's welcome into Stovokor.
5: Very well. I shall inform the High Council of his passing. I Trust they will agree with establishing the right successor to his position.
0: Yes As we both know there are those who would not agree with the Chancellor's efforts to make this station run smoothly and its benefit to the Empire What are you proposing? given my intimate involvement in all the duties here I am simply concerned as to who the next ambassador may be.
5: It sounds as if you're making a recommendation.
0: I believe I am. I am officially requesting my name be put forth for candidacy as Klingon ambassador to this station.
5: Of course. You know I shall front your name. That is without question. I am concerned, however. Then it may not be taken favorably.
0: You are the senior adjutant to the High Council, which is why I am counting on you to convince them on how serious I am.
5: Very well. I shall inform the High Council. Kapla! Kapla, Dojuk! Dronos out.
1: Okay,
7: the amount of shops and vendors on this station is astounding.
8: Your station has to act as a hub for business in this area as well, Jera. But do we have to stop at each one? T's birthday is tomorrow. I'm not stopping until we find her the perfect birthday gift.
7: I really don't understand this tradition. First, Hawthorne getting a gift, and now this. Loria, it just seems silly to be getting a gift just for being born. Besides, you have Yale here. Why exactly? Did you need me to come? Come on, this is fun! She's half-human, Jara. This is a family tradition
8: of hers I'm trying to keep up. Besides, I wanted both of your opinions. Aside from that, you need to help me shop for something hot for Yale to wear to the party. Why would I want to wear something hot? Won't I be uncomfortable? Oh, girl, you need a lot of work. Yale! The night of Hawthorne's party, do you remember how everyone was looking at Jara with that ensemble she was wearing? I want them doing the same with you. Why exactly would I want that? So you don't have to go back to your room alone. But Jara did. Uh,
7: Excuse me? Well, you did. I'll have you know if I had wanted to. Why didn't you?
8: Because he doesn't know she's interested in him yet. So, what do you think about these as a gift? Oh, those are beautiful. What?
7: Come on, Jara. Pay attention. What do you think about these yeah they're uh teapots Loria, how in the name of the progenitors am i supposed to know what a good birthday gift is birthdays aren't exactly a big thing on andoria so <sighs> tila loves chamomile tea
8: it's her favorite and i've always wanted her to be able to make her own okay perfect
7: get the pots she'll love them i'll be over here yale come on we need to find you a dress Ooh, I like this.
8: I better get back to the ship. There's quite a bit that I need to. Absolutely not. No, we must, and I mean must, get you a dress. But no buts. <sighs> Maybe we should look for two because I smell a girl's night out.
7: Get your ass over here, Yale. Found the perfect outfit.
2: Max! Excuse me. Excuse me, move! Damn it! Hey, hey Max. Surprised nice to see you here.
5: I just came from the Hollow Suites and decided to take a walk through the Promenade.
2: Wow. Normally, it feels like you would do anything to avoid crowds.
5: Yes, but I decided to take your advice and get out there.
2: Well, Max, I'd say this miraculous occasion calls for a drink. Follow me. Actually.
5: I would prefer something to eat rather than... Don't
2: worry about it. Just come on.
4: Coffee with hazelnut cream for you, and Raktagino for you.
3: Thank you, Steven.
4: Matka.
0: Guitara. how can you drink that... that sludge? Wouldn't you prefer Raktagino... It will put hair on your chest.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, but no, I'm quite happy without the hair.
0: Suit yourself. It's good to see us finally sitting at one table doing what we were meant to do. Even though this is clearly a Federation mission.
4: Any news from the High Council or the Proconsul's chambers regarding the assigning of ships to this station?
0: I'm afraid if there was talk about assigning a Klingon ship, it has all but died with Ovox passing. Not
4: surprising.
3: In response to my latest communique with the Proconsul, and I quote, you will have to endure until a ship is assigned.
0: Well. I, for one, am glad that I will not suffer our leaders alone. Enter. Good evening, Commodore. Ambassador, Advocate, you wanted to see me?
4: Yes. We've asked you here to talk about your next mission. Grab a seat. Something to drink?
0: Yes, uh, coffee with hazelnut cream, please.
4: One coffee with hazelnut cream.
0: Ah, now I understand why you prefer that over Ractigino. Pardon me,
3: Advocate. Never mind him.
0: <laughs> yes,
4: never mind me. Shall we get started, Mitch? The Vigilance has been tasked with a mission that was the responsibility of the USS Centaur. Now, due to recent events that I am not privy to, the Centaur has been reassigned. Your mission orders are on the pad in front of you. You and your crew will be heading to Vitus 4 a located approximately eight light-years away near the Azure Nebula. It's the largest moon around Vitus 4, which is inhabited by the Vitesians. Now, according to our information, they are approximately seven days away from attempting their maiden warp flight. Are we there to initiate first contact protocol in the event their flight
0: is successful, or are we to observe and report? How familiar are you with the
4: first contact protocol?
0: I'm well versed on the protocol, sir, and I believe that in the event I might miss something, I am confident that my XO will set me straight.
4: I don't doubt Commander Hawthorne will. You will observe and report with the possibility of establishing first contact, but that authorization must come from me. You are to keep me informed every step of the way. Understood, sir.
0: When do you want us to leave? Tomorrow morning will suffice. Well, sir, if that is all, I need to go make some preparations. That's it. Commodore, Ambassador, Advocate, Commander.
3: I should be going as well. There are a few things that I need to attend to. Good day, gentlemen. Commander, do you have a moment?
0: Uh, Certainly. So, Stephen, what does your Starfleet think about the two of them?
4: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> Come now, Stephen. It's not like they're doing a great job hiding their growing feelings towards each other.
4: <sighs> they are waiting.
0: And if it doesn't align
4: with their interest? I'm not worrying about that unless I have to. <laughs> Well, I have no doubt
0: that the Romulan Star Empire will have a harder time accepting them than your Starfleet ever will.
4: I know.
2: A toast. Here's to you, Max. Hey, don't look now, but uh, I think there might be a young lady at your 4 o'clock who might be interested in you, Maxie. No, damn it, Max. I said don't look. Why wouldn't I look? Well, you don't want her to realize that you've noticed her looking at you and become uncomfortable, do you? But what about me being uncomfortable? Oh, suck it up, Maxie. This young lady keeps looking over at you and trust me when I say she's most definitely interested. How can you be sure? Trust me. I know a thing or two about women.
5: What do I do now? Just play cool. Excuse me?
2: You gotta play it like you're not interested. That... won't be hard. Let her make
1: the first move. Your attention, please. The crew of the USS Vigilance are to report for duty at 0600 hours tomorrow. I repeat, the crew of the USS Vigilance are to report for duty at 0600 hours tomorrow.
5: I must go.
2: There are things I need to attend to. Thank you for lunch, Nikolai. And how is this young lady supposed to make the first move if you just up and leave, Max? I... don't know, sir. Well, looks like shore leave is over. Hmm. Or is it? Maybe I should gather the boys for a night they won't forget.
7: Ugh. Anyway... Here I am sitting at this party and these two young cadets decide they're going to fight over me like I'm some prize to be won. That, by the way, was their first mistake. So I sit back and I watch as these two drunk pink skins beat the shacks out of each other, thinking to myself, neither of these two clowns have got a ghost of a chance. But I will admit, it was entertaining. You know, they were so into fighting, I don't even think they noticed I'd left. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Just, wow. The
6: lunacy. I am seriously amazed. I thought things like that happened only in a hollow novel. If
7: it hadn't have happened right in front of me, I have to wonder what happened with those cadets. I couldn't tell you. I never saw them again. And I didn't care to either.
6: I don't blame you one bit. Who wants to be anywhere near stupidity
8: like that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jara, you have some amazing stories. Seriously, you have to tell one more.
7: No, I've been talking all night. Don't you have some stories from the Academy?
8: I never attended the illustrious Starfleet Academy.
7: Come on, Jera. One more? You girls are too much. (sighs) Okay, but only one more. How much do you guys know about the Kobayashi Maru? Does it actually exist? I I was told it was a myth. Something that gets rumored around the Academy to keep those on the command track on their toes. Don't look at me. I was on the science track during my time at the Academy. It does. So, I'm in my final year at the Academy. My flight squadron and I had been woken up at 0400 hours by our LT. We were told that we had 10 minutes to collect ourselves, dress, and be in front of Archer Hall. Sounds mysterious. And
8: did you say your flight squadron?
7: Yeah, uh, by the end of my third year, I was promoted to my squadron's wing commander. Damn, do I miss those guys. Anyway, as I said, we had 10 minutes to get from our dorm to Archer Hall but each of us knew it was going to take 12 minutes at a sprint to make it. So here we are, hauling ass across the main courtyard. The sun isn't up yet, and a few of us are still zipping up our flight suits mid-run. Now, each of us was in good shape. No, we, we were in great shape. As a squadron, we did almost everything together. We flew together, we ate together, we exercised together. We knew each other, and we knew we were fit. But having to move at that pace, it knocked the wind out of us. I imagine it would. Well, we make it, a full minute late, and there is no one there, not a single soul, and it's dead quiet. It's like the whole academy had been evacuated, and that's when our comm badges began to chirp. So, what happened next? Well, I'll tell you, just as soon as I get another round of drinks for us.
8: Seriously? You're just gonna leave us in suspense like this?
7: <laughs> of course, but don't worry, I'll be right back.
8: Is Jared, you know, romantically involved with someone? Well, not exactly. At least not yet. But we think we know who she has her eye on. (gasps) Who? Okay, but you have to promise not to say. But she seemingly has a thing for the captain. Really? Shh! Keep it
6: down, Yale. It's not as easy as that. We also have it on good authority that the captain and the Romulan ambassador... May have a thing or two happening. Well,
8: that's not exactly the best-kept secret. So this is what? A love triangle? Honey, we don't even know what this is. But we've been trying to play it cool and act like we don't know anything. Jera hasn't officially told us. And until she does, we're gonna keep on playing it that way.
1: What'll it be?
7: Can I get another bottle of Andorian ale for Table 5, please?
2: You got it. If you give me a sec, I can grab you one, or I can have it delivered. I'll wait, thanks. Fine? Maxie, you're miles away from fine. I'm telling you, man, she was totally into you. Staring at such a fine specimen like yourself, it's like a hawk ready to fly in for a meal.
5: While I appreciate your candor for Simile, I hardly believe that's true.
2: <sighs> Son of a.
7: What the hell is he doing here? Oh come on, Jira. Easy. I guess he's allowed to have a night out with friends. Who am I to say anything? I don't even have to go over. I just have to get my bottle and
2: Jira! Shit. Hey hey, guys, guys, it's Jira.
7: Keep it cool. Keep it cool. Not engaging. Keep it cool.
2: Jira! Hey, Jira! Come on! I know you can hear me. Why don't you come and join us?
7: Hello, Nikolai. No, I'm here with the girls. Oh, they're here?
2: Great, they can join us too.
7: What, I'm not couldn't... In... I don't want to interfere with your night with the boys. Shouldn't you be getting back to them? They don't look like they're enjoying
2: themselves. I was only asking... Wait, really? Ah, the boys are fine. We're having a great time. We're having a great time, right guys? Good evening. Hey, Tara. Huh, see? <laughs> right. Here you go.
7: Oh, thank you.
2: Ooh... What's your poison tonight?
7: Nothing you apparently want, or could handle.
2: Really? I'll have you know I can drink anything. Hey, Barkeep. Two glasses.
7: Never mind, Nikolai.
2: Hmm. Did I just miss
7: something?
8: Is Jera alright? She's been gone for a while. Maybe we should see if everything's okay. Why is everyone looking at me? Fine. I'll see where she is. Let's see. There you are. She's at the bar. She's still there? Yeah. She doesn't look happy. I'm sensing a lot of heavy emotions from over there. She's got our bottle and she's not alone. She's with... Uh, oh. Oh my. What? Who's she with? I can't see. Tee... Yale, look. Look who she's with. It's Commander Reznov. Okay, so he's here as well. So what? So what? T, open up. Sorry, Rhea. It's like a sea of hyperactivity in here. We were wrong. What do you mean? It's Commander Reznov. She's interested in Reznov. Seriously? Are you sure? Honey she's like a torch of emotion right now wow she's interested in him Shh. she's coming
6: back calm down act natural
8: <sighs>
7: where's my glass is everything okay Jared? yeah i just had to throw nikolai back to his boys the boys are here yeah imagine that great minds right absolutely <laughs> why are you all still looking at me like that
8: We're just dying for you to finish your story, that's all!
7: (laughs) Ah, that's better. Okay, where was I? Captain on the bridge.
1: We've
9: cleared space dock. The coordinates are laid in and we're ready to go to warp at your command. Make the call,
0: XO. Helm, engage. I'll be in my ready room. Have all senior officers report there in 10 minutes.
9: Your attention, please. This is the XO. All senior officers are to report to the captain's ready room in 10 minutes. I repeat. All senior officers report to the captain's ready room in ten minutes.
0: Coffee with hazelnut cream. Enter. Wilfred, care for something to drink? I'll have what you're having, sir. Coffee with hazelnut cream. There you go.
9: Thank you. So the course you provided takes us near the Azure Nebula. Is this a scientific mission, or a rendezvous? Actually, it's a
0: possible first contact mission. Really? I didn't expect that. Neither did I when they called me in to tell me about it. Apparently the USS Centaur was originally tasked with this, but they were reassigned. It must have been quite important
9: to be reassigned from a first contact assignment. You don't happen to know what they were reassigned
0: to? Hmm. According to the Commodore, even he wasn't read in on it. That's very unusual, sir. I agree. Enter. Help yourselves if you want something to drink.
6: Chamomile tea, please.
1: Good morning, Tila. Good morning. One plomic tea. Vulcan tea. Interesting. A bit bland, but I think I will have the same.
5: You may have this one, Doctor.
1: One plum tea. Thank you, Dulan. So, how did last night go? Please, Doctor, not here. Oh. Sorry.
2: What about last night? Nothing. Really? Wow. Coffee. Black. Hey, morning, Max. Can you make that too? Two coffees. Black. Thanks, Max.
0: Good morning, everyone. The Vigilance has been assigned a new mission. We will be heading to Vitis 4 a located approximately eight light-years away near the Azure Nebula. It's the largest moon around Vitis IV, which is inhabited by the Vitisians. According to our information, they are approximately six days away from attempting their maiden warp flight. Are we there to establish first contact protocols if their flight is successful? That will be decided by Commodore Williamson, but it is a possibility. Wilfred has uploaded the mission brief on our computers. If first contact protocol is initiated, then I will need all the help I can get. Dulon, I need you and the doctor to look at the information about the Vitesians and give me your best behavioral and psychological assessment of them. Certainly. We will
5: do our best.
1: Excellent.
0: Tila, I need you to do a full linguistic study of their language. If I'm to talk with them, I don't want to start a war because I said hello wrong.
6: (laughs) No problem, sir. I will confer with Dulan and Oriman as the Vatisians' linguistics may be influenced by their behavioral and psychology makeup.
0: Good idea. Nikolai, I want you to go over everything we have on the Vatisians' maiden warp flight and tell me what you think. You got it. And Wilfred, you and I need to brush up on the first contact protocol. I would hate to screw up on our first opportunity. Aye, sir. We will arrive in approximately four and a half days from now. So that gives you three days to report back. Let's get to work.
8: I think everything is ready. Thank you again for offering your quarters for the surprise birthday celebration.
0: Mariah, you're quite welcome. Uh, Just let me know when you want me to contact her.
8: Well, she should be finished getting ready for what she thinks is a musical performance for the crew in the mess hall. And it appears that everyone is here, so... Any time now, I guess.
0: Okay, everyone. I'm contacting Tila, so keep it down. Quinn to Lieutenant Draw. Draw here. Lieutenant, report to my ready room.
6: Uh, yes, sir. Immediately, sir.
0: Quinn out.
7: That was mean, sir.
0: I would have to agree with Jara. That was mean. I didn't hear anyone else volunteering.
2: Well, obviously, none of our quarters are big enough, so it falls to you.
0: Enter.
6: You wanted to see me, sir?
0: Lieutenant, would you care to explain?
6: Explain, sir? Explain what, sir? Have I done something wrong?
0: Don't play coy with me, Lieutenant. I know you're behind it.
6: Behind what, sir?
0: Mm. Come with me.
6: Yes, sir. Surprise. Surprise!
8: Happy birthday, T. What? Rhea?
0: Happy birthday, Tila.
8: So I'm not in trouble? <laughs> no, T, you're not in trouble. It was my idea. It was the only way to prevent you from sensing us. Here, this drink should help. (laughs) You did this for me? I don't know what to say.
2: Tila, are you going to stand in the doorway all night, or are you actually going to come join the rest of us for your party?
6: I don't know what to say. Thank you.
0: You're welcome, Tila.
6: What about the concert in the mess hall?
8: Yeah, about that... I needed a reason for you to get dressed up for your party, so I kind of lied. But we've been practicing for a week. Don't worry, T. I have another surprise for you.
6: What did you do, Rhea?
8: Well, I brought our instruments here, and I thought we could play for the captain and the others. What do you say? If it's okay with everyone.
1: I, for one, would love to hear you play. As would I.
7: I would love to as well. Same here? Yes, would love to hear the two of you play again.
2: Sure thing. How about you, Maxie?
5: It's just Max. And yes, I would like to hear you play as well. What about you, Will? Yes. I would as well.
2: Great!
8: Come on, T. Let's get ready.
2: Hey, should I get a set of spoons to join them?
0: (laughs) I would have thought blowing into liquor bottles
5: was more your style, Nikolai.
2: Ouch. Now that just hurts.
5: How does one play liquor bottles? You blow across the top of the bottle, and it makes a sound based on how much liquid is in the bottle. The more liquid you have in the bottle, the lower the
2: pitch. Max, you never cease to amaze me. What?
8: Okay, everyone. Tilo is ready with her harp. We will begin. The first piece that T and I would like to play is Moonsong. In honor of you, Captain. Again, thank you. <phone rings>
9: Computer, personal log. Current star date. Well, this ship is becoming party central, isn't it? I have never, in my entire career, had to attend so many meaningless parties for birthdays. I ask you, what are we—the crew of a starship, or the entertainment crew aboard a cruise liner, or Starfleet? When is this crew going to start acting like it? Is it this side of never? Or the other side? Because from my vantage point, it seems to be never. Birthdays. So what? Replicate some cake and get on with your damn day. And why wasn't decent music like I heard tonight played at my birthday party? No, the XO doesn't get that. He gets heavy new-age garbage played so loud you can't even hear yourself like... "'Ridiculous. Moon Song in honor of you, Captain. "'Just another method his lordship has of stealing everyone's thunder. "'I wonder what's going to happen on his birthday. Well, "'I don't even want to think about it. "'He'll probably be granted the governorship of a planet. "'I mean, is he even Scottish or Irish? "'He gets a song, and I get a thing on my shelf that keeps me awake at night.'" Speaking of planets, brush up on your first contact protocol, he says. Need all the help I can get, he says. Well, of course you do. Who the hell does he think I am? A damn minion? I'm the one on this damn ship that could recite the entire protocol, regulations, word for word in my sleep. Does Quinn really think I'm not going to review it? Of course I'm going to review it. And I did it. Twice. Before he asked. First contact is undoubtedly the most prestigious and important part of exploration. I'm not going to be sitting on the bridge unprepared. I have more self-respect than that. And what was that sorry excuse for a coffee he gave me? Who the hell puts hazelnut cream in their coffee? Ridiculous! Oh, and on another note, Reznov decided to engage in his reverie again. And once more I noticed that I wasn't invited for a boy's night out. Not that it would have gone, of course. I find the whole affair childish and unbefitting of the rank we both begrudgingly share. A damn ship of fools. Now, please let nothing happen to have this first contact assignment go sideways. Please!
0: Computer, personal log, start 2381.178. We are approximately 4.5 hours from Vitis 4A and we're all looking forward to the possibility of first contact. The crew have been End log. Enter.
9: Sir, as requested, I've gathered everyone in the ready room to review the reports. That is everyone except for Commander Reznov. He has yet to show up. Excellent. Shall we? Uh yes, sir, but what about the commander? <laughs>
0: Don't worry about him, Exo. He'll show up. Good morning, everyone.
5: Dulan, how about you start? Yes, sir. Vitus-4A is an M-class moon with 78.09% Nitrogen, 20.95% Oxygen, 0.93% Argon, and 0.04% Carbon Dioxide. There are also pockets of uranium ore and traced amounts of cerulean ore. In many respects, it is very similar to your Earth. 75% of the surface is water, with 25% being land which comprises of temperate and tropical forests, tundra, and arctic regions.
2: Have I missed anything good? You're late. Huh. You know, maybe I should have ignored fixing the air and intake valve until after the meeting. I'm sure nobody would have minded the 90-plus degree temperature we would have reached by the time I would have gotten around to doing it.
0: Is everything okay now, Nikolai?
2: Yeah, no big deal. Faulty valve.
5: Okay. Dulan, please continue. The moon orbits the Vitus star, a standard yellow dwarf star about one-third larger than Sol. The Veticians have orbital satellites, and while these are not as sophisticated as starfleets, they would be capable of picking up a starship nearing orbit. Good to know.
0: Make sure we have an exact range on their satellites so we can park beyond them. I have
5: already provided that information to Ensign Shivari, Doctor, if you
1: may. Thank you, Dulan. The Vatizians are a humanoid race that are adapted to living in both an oxygen-rich environment on land and underwater. This would explain why their cities are built above ground and within their oceans. In a way, they look similar to humans. They have thick hair, different hues to their skin, and have two arms and two legs. How they differ, their skin have small scales... Their eyes have two sets of eyelids, their hands and feet are webbed, and they fully functional lungs to breathe on land, whilst having fully functional gills in order to breathe underwater. Actually, the Vitisians are quite remarkable. Thank you, Doctor.
2: Yes, it's my turn. The Vitisians are people living in a post-digital age, nearing the warp age. Their technology is about 150 years behind Federation Standard. Nearly all their tech seems to have been adapted to be waterproof. Now, this obviously has a positive effect, considering space is in many ways similar to underwater. From everything I've seen, I would be very surprised if their maiden warp flight was unsuccessful. But I'll know more once we get there.
0: Thanks, Nikolai. Okay. Tila, what do you have for us?
6: I have completed a full linguistic analysis of the Vetisian language, along with the behavioral and psychological makeup. I've discovered that in many ways, the Vetisians are very similar to humans'. There doesn't seem to be any obscure rituals or meanings when communicating with others. Nearly all of their towns are situated in coastal areas or near large bodies of water. It appears that much of their cities are underwater, making the area above ground more suburban or rural in nature. As of yet, I have not discerned whether there is animosity between those living above ground to those living below.
9: So you're saying there could be?
6: Correct. Correct. The Vatesians don't appear to be overly religious, though they do have several different religions that they might follow. The prevalent religion appears to be the Lady of Tides.
9: And what of their government? Have you been able to learn anything?
6: Their present government appears to be democratic in nature. They have a similar government structure to that of 20th century Earth. There are two major political groups which the populace can vote for every five years. At present, there appears to be some differences of opinion between the two political groups regarding the Warp test flight. The Democratic group appear to be in support of the flight, while their opposition appears to be against it. When we arrive, I'll monitor the planet's communication to see if I can add anything more to my analysis.
0: Excellent. You've all done a great job. We should arrive in just over four hours. Let's get ready to go to work. Dismissed. Computer, personal log, stardate 2381.181, 0900 hours. We arrived at Vitus 4A three days ago and have been monitoring the planet since. The Vitesian's maiden warp flight will commence shortly and my crew seems very excited in witnessing this event and possibly being involved with first contact. And to be honest, so am I. Bridge to Captain Quinn. Quinn here.
9: We are all set to monitor the flight, Sir. We're receiving preliminary reports now.
0: Excellent, I'm on my way. Quinn out. End personal log.
7: Captain on the bridge.
9: Report! We're positioned on the far side of Vitis IV's second moon, well outside the range of Vitis IV-A's satellites. Based on their flight plan, we should not be noticed by the Vitisian spacecraft. All sensors.
2: Excellent, Commander. The initial ship readings indicate that we should get the champagne ready. I concur with the Commander. That we should get the champagne out? Uh, no, sir. What I
5: meant was, I agree with this assessment based on the readings from the Vetician ship.
0: <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Lieutenant Draw, what are we getting from their communications?
6: They're reporting that everything is green and the countdown has been initiated.
0: Excellent. Ensign, on screen. I, for one, would like to watch this memorable moment. Aye, sir. Lieutenant Max, how are we looking? We are clear across the board, sir. All right. Lieutenant Draw, could you count us down?
6: Certainly, Captain. 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
2: Engines are at full, and she is lifting off. She. Is every ship
9: a she to you, Commander?
2: If it's that beautiful, then it can only be a she. I agree. There. You see? She agrees with me. Why doesn't that surprise me? She's beautiful. She should know.
7: Wha... Huh?
2: They have
5: reached orbit and readings are still green.
6: The ship's crew have left orbit and are reporting that they're ready to initiate warp. They've been given the go-ahead.
5: Throw off the bow
0: lines. Sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore. Dream. Discover. Mark Twain, sir? Surprised, Exo? They're initiating
9: warp
5: now.
2: Warp drive is cycling. Power to the nacelles are positive. Increase to speed. Warp bubble engaging in five, four. Wait. Wait, what the? What is it, Nikolai?
9: You've been listening to First Contact Protocol, Part 1, Episode 7 of Endless Vigilance, a Star Trek fan production, a Two Sober Dwarfs Productions podcast, making magic for your ears. This episode was written, produced, and directed by Robert J. Harrower and Vincent J. Loria. It was audio engineered and edited by Robert J. Harrower, Vincent J. Loria, and Isaac Gooch. The voice talents for this episode are Craig Hustler as Commander Mitchell Quinn. Robert J. Harrower as Lieutenant Commander Wilfred Hawthorne. Matthew James Lottie as Lieutenant Commander Nikolai Reznov. Gary Warnock as Lieutenant Commander Dulon Baldur. Jordan Pierce as Lieutenant Max. Mandy Kay as Lieutenant Junior Grade Tila Draw. Abigail Wall as Ensign Jera Shivari. Daniel Ward as Dr. Oramon Nen. Jade Loria as Nurse Laria. Hazel Newman as Ensign Yale Tour. Isaac Gooch as Ensign Lin Huichang. Eloria Shaw as Ambassador Katara Tipperong. Joshua Peruse as Advocate Dujuk. Kevin Scarfe as Commodore Stephen Williamson. Miranda Celine as Cure Station Ops Controller Lexa Atwood, Bron Rock Mitchell as Lieutenant Emily Davis. James Haney as the Riemann Envoy Sissick. Tony Raymond as Crossroads Barkeep. And Stephen Hyatt as Adjutant tall Original music for this episode was provided by Nate Reynolds Welsh. Moonsong is by Adrian Von Ziegler. Gentle Lo-Fi Vlog Background Music Cookies by Alex Productions. And We Made It by Luke Bergs, were provided under a Creative Commons license. Endless Vigilance, a Star Trek fan production, is based on Star Trek Created by Gene Roddenberry. For more information about this episode, or to find us online, please visit us at Two on Twitter at Two Sober and at Vigilance Track, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash two Sober Dwarves Productions. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios Incorporated. Two Sober Dwarf's Productions, the website, the promotion thereof, and this fan audio drama are not endorsed by, sponsored by, nor affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial, fan-made audio production intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. No alleged independent rights. We asserted against CBS or Paramount Pictures.